if you got your Bibles with you, let's look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. North Carolina almost lost it, though. Those free throws at the end. They were pushing it. They, they were giving the enemy opportunity to win at the end, but they pulled it through. Yeah, Hoosiers will be back one day in the sweet by and by. So, Ephesians 4, and we're going to start in verse 11. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. So, um, as we get started, before we read this, uh, just a couple quick things as we're thinking about this message. Uh, I've been thinking about this for a couple months and kind of waiting for the right timing to share a message like this. And uh, Pastor Dennis, what he preached last week really stirred uh, I know it stirred a lot of us up in a good way and encouraged us and he uh, inspired us what not only he's doing but his church, what they're doing together and, and it's inspiring to see. And so this is a message I've been thinking about. It kind of goes along the same lines of uh, just what we can do together and that's important because it's not just on one person or not just one small group of people. We're in this together and as the church uh, not just the global church, but the local church. We have a mission, and it only comes to pass if we're in this thing together. It doesn't come to pass if, you know, we got 20% participation or 50% or 75%. It's, it takes 100% participation for uh, the plan of God to come to pass. And now, a lot of churches never really fulfill what they're called to do because church members never really fully commit. And, and that's the problem. There, there's plenty of churches that are fulfilling the plan of God. But for the most part, there's a lot of churches that, that stay small and ineffective their whole life. Not because God's will is that. It's because the people never really fully commit to what God is doing. And so it hinders the church. So if you would allow me this morning, um, I, I know you're going to be very responsive this morning because I've, I've been encouraging you about that because it makes it super awkward for the person up here speaking when you, it's just dead silence and you look at me like, I don't know what you're saying. So it, it's always appreciated when you respond. It, you know, I appreciate you taking notes, which you need to do that, but I appreciate your response more than notes. Um, you can get the podcast. They're free. So in case you missed something and you were taking notes, uh, you can listen back to the podcast because faith comes by hearing and hearing. And you can write it down that time. How about that? Um, so I know that this could be a challenging message today, but you need to be challenged. Um, you need somebody in your life to challenge you in every way. You need somebody to challenge you, uh, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Because how many know most of us never go to the next level unless somebody challenges us to change? Uh, most of us are not naturally giving to challenging ourselves. Uh, most of us uh, just stay in the same place most of our lives. So we need somebody to come and challenge us in the right way and the right heart because we see the potential in your life and what God can do through you and what God can do in you. And if nobody calls it out, nobody will know that there is something greater than where they're living at today. 
And that's part of my job as a pastor is to call out the potential in your life. And sometimes it might make you feel uncomfortable on a Sunday morning. But I'm doing it not because I'm mad at you and not because I'm trying to correct you. It's because I love you. And the call of God says to challenge the people that you love. Because you see the potential. And how many know you you see your kids and if you see that they're not meeting the potential, you want to challenge them because you realize, hey, there's so much further that you can go. There's so much uh, greater things that you can do. And if nobody calls it out, most of us will never get there. Are you here so far this morning? I'm preaching before I'm preaching because that's not even my message yet. Uh, But I just wanted to tell you where we're going today because you need to know uh, this the heart of this message is not of condemnation. It's not to make you feel bad. Uh, it's to challenge you and to, like Pastor Dennis said, give you an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. And it's bigger than New Albany, and it's bigger than Southern Indiana, and it's bigger than the United States of America. It's bigger than that because you're a part of not just a local church, but the global church, which is the most powerful force on the planet which is the thing that God is using to change the world, is his church. All right, I need to slow it down a little bit here because y'all trying to get me preaching. So let's read a verse. Ephesians 4, verse 11, in the New Living Translation. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord and measuring up to the fullness of the complete standard of Christ. Notice that he says that he gave these gifts to the church, which you're part of. And their responsibility, this is my responsibility today, to equip God's people, that's you, notice, to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So that's kind of going to be our key verse for this morning's message, and that's what I want to do today. I'm here to equip you, God's people, to do the work and to build his church. That's what you're called to do. Beyond anything else in life, your calling is to build his church. Yes, you're called to be a parent. Yes, you're called to be a husband or wife. Yes, you're called to work at wherever you work at. You're called to be a uh, son or daughter. You're called to be a neighbor. You're called to do all these things. But above all those things, you are called to build his church. Called to build his church. There's only one thing that will last in eternity. And that's what's done for Christ and his church. The things that we get upset and frustrated about on a weekly basis will not matter in eternity at all. The things we give most of our time to will not matter in eternity at all. The things that we're so passionate about and we're giving to and we're serving that are not the church, they won't matter in eternity. Only what's done for Christ and his church will last. So today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is All In. All In. Everybody say, All In. in. Now say it like you're in a team huddle. All In. in. 
That's what I'm talking about. Come on. So we're talking about all in today. We're talking about doing the work of God, the mission of God, and being committed to what God is calling us to do. All in. So I just want to share a couple stories real quick before we kind of get into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but first of all, you know, I, I have a couple sports things to share. I know some of you don't like sports in here, and God bless you if you don't. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what I got. So <laughs> sports relates to everybody. Just be relatable and be nice. Okay, so the first one's football. Now, I'm not a, a huge football guy, but I do enjoy it sometimes. I enjoy playing more than watching. But um, something happened in, in 2012. Uh, there's a team called the New York Giants, the New York Giants, and uh, they have a quarterback that happens to be the brother of Peyton Manning. A lot of you know who Peyton Manning is. Eli Manning is his brother, and he's for the New York Giants. So in 2012, there was uh, the New York Giants were, of course, they're in the NFL, National Football League. They play professional football. They were struggling. Uh, they weren't having a good season. They were getting beat, and uh, something had to change. They were struggling. And so what happened was in 2012, uh, they usually, a lot of these teams will have chaplains come in and share messages with the teams to in, encourage them and inspire them before, uh, you know, it starts. And so they, they brought this guy in who was a friend of the chaplain to come share a message with the New York Giants before their big game. And like I said, this is 2012, this was taking place, they were struggling, they weren't doing good at all, and, and even though they had good people on their team, they weren't really uh, getting to the potential that they needed to get to. Now, you're picking up what I'm laying down so far. Uh, they had potential, they had the right people, but they weren't living up to their potential. Um, sounds like the local church. And somebody had to come in and, and talk to them straight and get everyone on the same page to realize, no, we can do better than this. We're better than this. There's a greater vision. There's a greater good. So this guy came in. He was a young guy. And actually, uh, he was, he's only like 20-something years old. He came in, and he said when he came in, he was intimidated. He was freaking out because there's NFL football players, and he's just a 20-year-old kid who's like a motivational guy. He's actually a teacher at a high school, but he kind of, on the side, he, he gives, uh, you know, motivational speeches. And so he came in, and this is what he did. He looked everybody in the eye, and he gave everybody a poker chip. Now, I didn't get you a poker chip because I'm a pastor. <laughs> but I wanted to, and I'm not saying I'm not. I just didn't have time to go get it before today. Um, so if anybody knows anything about Horseshoe Casino, they could donate some poker chips to, you can laugh, stop being religious. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh at that. He said casino. <laughs> hey, Horseshoe Casino's giving money to everybody else in town. Go ahead and slap some money at the local church. A couple million dollars. That would be nice, wouldn't it? All right. Anyways. So. I would have got you poker chips, but I didn't because I didn't go to the casino uh, and I didn't go to the store to f try to find some poker chips. But I'm sorry, I didn't. It might happen. And he said uh, he wanted everybody in there to write their name on the poker chip and to keep it with him. And the title of this message was All In. It was All In. And he was sharing with these guys that they all have a part to play 
and the team. They all have a part to play in the victory. And for it to come to pass, for them to, in other words, win a Super Bowl championship, that everybody's going to have to slide their poker piece across the table and be all in. Now, some of you don't know much about poker. I know the Atkins and the Garings family do. (laughs) And the Stumblers. But If you're not them and you don't gamble like they do, um, for those of you who live right and holy and upright, so the thing about poker is this, and I don't know much about cards. It's pathetic because I live in southern Indiana, and I don't know how to play card games. Um, But the thing about poker is this, you know, when you know you have a hand, now I'm about to preach, when you know you have a hand that can't be beat... You slide all your poker chips in. When you know you got a hand that can't be beat, you go all in. Because you realize, I'm going to win this thing, so I'm going to bet everything on it. And I'm going to give everything I have to this. And I'm going to go all in. And that's what he was saying to those football players that day that this is worth fighting for. This is worth giving everything we have to because we have a hand that's been dealt to us and we're going to win, but it only happens if we go all in. And so he gave each one of those guys a poker chip and they wrote their name on it and they kept it the rest of the year. In 2012, the New York Giants won the Super Bowl championship. Now, earlier in the year, they were struggling. They didn't even think they would get to the playoffs. But because of one motivational speech by this guy about all in, and they kept the poker chips the rest of the season, and they decided to live like this, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl in 2012. The championship from a team that was struggling and wasn't even going to make it to the playoffs They won the Super Bowl because everybody on the team decided, I'm all in. And they got that mentality in their heart and in their mind. And once they started playing like that, notice they won championships. Are you here this morning? It relates to the church and it relates to your life. When we have this attitude about all in, and not just a few of us, not just the quarterback, Not just the running back, not just the certain players on the team that get acknowledged, but everybody on the team has the same mindset that I'm all in. And notice, Jesus has dealt us a hand that can't be beat. What are we stinking waiting on? The poker chips are right here and they're in our hands. Jesus handed us the cards and we have a hand that can't be beat, but he's waiting on this church to say, I'm all in. And until we say we're all in, we won't win. We won't win as a church. We won't win as individuals. We won't win championships unless we're all in. You getting what I'm saying today? So they were all in. They all had that same attitude, that same mindset that I'm all in. And that not just I'm all in with all of my might and my strength, that's part of it, but all in 
as in every person in that locker room is in. And I'm saying this morning, that means every person in this congregation is in. That's all in. Not just a few people giving 100%, but 100% giving 100%. That's what all in means, and that's when it works. And that's when you see churches that are reaching people and growing and thriving and influencing cities and countries and nations and regions for God is because that entire church has the mindset that I'm all in with my effort, but every person in that church is in. And giving everything they have. No, it's not to the pastor, but to the mission of God, to the plan of God, to the vision that can only be accomplished together. Pastor Dennis said it like this, it's a shared vision. It's not just one person, it's a shared vision. We're in this together. God calls churches to fulfill certain visions and certain missions. And that mission doesn't rely on one person to get it accomplished. The whole church is a part of that. And notice when we get to eternity, there will be no different rewards for the person with the microphone than the person in the seat if everyone did their part. Because it's a shared vision together. How many of you know the quarterback gets a championship ring just like the kicker gets a championship ring? And you know a lot of times a kicker does not deserve a championship ring. I mean, I could beat up the kicker on most football teams. Pretty scrawny looking. But notice, if he's doing his part, then the quarterback can do his part. And everybody's in, all in. You guys here so far today. Now, let me give you one more sports because I like sports. Now, there is a team which I realize I live in 2017. I like these new basketball players like Steph Curry and LeBron James. But there was a time when basketball players were basketball players. Now, that time would happen to be the 90s where there was a team called the Chicago Bulls. And there was a man by the name of Michael Jordan, who is the GOAT of all time, greatest of all time. I appreciate all these new basketball players. They're cute. They got cool moves. But then there's Michael Jordan. So I'm a 90s kid. I grew up in the 90s. And I played basketball. And I had a lot of Chicago Bulls stuff in my room. I had jerseys and hats and miniature goals that I played on and dunked on because I'm not six foot six like Michael Jordan. And the thing about that is Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls won six championships in the 90s. But you know what? He couldn't have done it if he didn't have a team to win it with him. There's some people that you don't know their names, but they won six championships with Michael Jordan. There's people, and I'm going to name a few names. You could think this is funny, but Tony Kukoc. I don't know if you know who that is. Luke Longley. Scotty Pippen, some of you know who that is. Dennis Rodman. Carhartt, Harper, okay, so now we're getting the names going. Larry, I know you know the rest of the team if, if I ask you. Most of these people you have never heard of, but they have six 
championship rings because they were all in. And they decided that I'm going to buy into the team because I want to win championships. That's kind of a word used in, in sports is you got to buy in to the team. Certain people never buy into the team, and that's why they get traded. Because they don't want to play the role that they're called to play. There's a reason that certain people get traded. And the thing is, Michael Jordan could have won championships earlier in his career, but he didn't because he didn't have the right team around him that bought in 100% like he did. And how you know somebody like him made sure that there's people on the team that think just like him. If you don't think all in, you're not on the Chicago Bulls. If you don't want to win championships, you're not on the Chicago Bulls. Now, I'm sorry if you don't like sports this morning. But hear what I'm saying. Everybody on the team decides to buy in because there's a role that they're called to play. And they realize, I might not always shoot the game-winning shot, but I still have a role to play on the team. And I still get a ring. There's people on that team that they're only on the team just to rebound. And they get paid millions of dollars just to rebound. They don't even have to shoot. Because they bought into the team. There's people that are just called to play defense on the team. But they bought in and they're a championship. And notice that. There's all these men that I just listed and many more have six championship rings. Are winners according to this world. And nobody even knows their name. Why? Because they decide to be all in and to play the role that they're called to play. You realize everybody can't be Michael Jordan on the team. But you have to be comfortable and satisfied with the role you play because if the team wins, then you win. If we're still winning championships, that's important. Now, I didn't make this analogy to tell you that you guys are bench players and not Michael Jordan. If that's what you thought, where I thought I was going with that, you're like, this cocky young man this morning, you're going to make us bench players and you get to be Michael Jordan. No, there's only one superstar in this story, and that's Jesus. And we're all role players, including myself. Are you here this morning? You know, history, another way to say that is his story. From Genesis to the end of time, this is God's story, not our story. But we get to play a role in what God is doing. And notice, it's a privilege, and it's an honor, and it's the greatest opportunity that that anybody will ever give you in your life is to play a part of God's story, is to be on the team with him. And how blessed are you that... By the fact that you're just here this morning, God has chosen you to be a part of his championship team. But he said, we're not going to win championships unless you decide I'm all in and I'm going to play the role that I'm supposed to play. I'm going to play the position that I've been given. I'm going to be a part of his story. God is writing a story, and he's using all of us in it. And notice, he's the hero of the story, but notice we're a supporting role in his story. 
yes, he is important and he is the main thing, but notice his church is the supporting role to him. And how many know the main actor can't do what he needs to do unless the supporting actor is just as good and plays their part just as passionately as the lead actor? And you know supporting actors and supporting actresses get Oscars too? Because they played their part. So we need to be a part of what he's doing. We get to be a part of his story. The story that God is writing, we have a part to play. We're not the main part, but we are a part. And we're a supporting role. We're a part of the team. And the part that we've been given to play is important. The Bible says in the New Testament that we're co-laborers with him. That means that there's God's side, but there's our side. That means, yes, Jesus is saving and healing and delivering people and changing the world. But notice we're co-laborers. He's only doing that through his church. He's only doing it through his church. And that's the vehicle that God is using, his church. And that's us. Are you encouraged so far this morning? So we have a part to play in his story, what God is doing. We are a part of his team. But we have to have the mentality, I'm all in going to be a part. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to play my part. Why? Because I'm looking at the greater good and the win and the championship and the future. Now, you realize there's churches that are winning and there's churches that are losing. People don't want to talk like that on Sunday morning, but that's true. There's, there's churches in our community, they're losing. They love God. They're trying, but they're losing. Quiet, yes. There's churches that are winning. And I'm not just saying just because some church has a lot of people that they're automatically winning. But I am saying if the church is not reaching anybody, it's not growing, it's not thriving, it's not changing life, your church is losing. It's not winning. And some coach has to come with a whistle in his hand and say, guess what, guys? We're not winning, we're losing. And we're losing because people need to be all in. Kind of like that motivational speech guy. He had to get in their face and say, you guys are so good. You could win a Super Bowl championship, but you're only not winning because you're not committed. You're not all in. And when they change their attitude and they change their work ethic and they change their heart, they won the 2012 Super Bowl championship. That's what God is calling for us to do. He's calling for us to be all in to what he is doing. Now let's read again in Ephesians 4. You guys getting something so far? Ephesians 4. And we're going to read in verse 11. Ephesians 4 and 11 says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Notice in verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people, that's you, to do his work and to build up his church, the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to say some things that are going to go against church tradition. I'm not just talking about this church specifically. I'm just talking about the church in general. And these are things that have slipped into a lot of churches that make them ineffective. And keep it the way it's always been. 
One of them is this verse right here, and I want to talk about this. It says that God gave gifts, like myself. All right, amen. Okay, thanks. Sure, guys. No, I'm, I'm good. I was setting you up. God gave gifts. Okay. All right. Tough crowd this morning. God gave gifts. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. And notice what they're called to do. They're called to equip you to fulfill your call, to fulfill your mission, and to build the church. So Sunday mornings is not so you can come look at me, at what I'm doing for God. Sunday mornings is so I can equip you to do what you're called to do for God. And it's different. I'm called to teach you and preach and challenge you so you fulfill what God has called you to do. And notice it says to equip God's people to work. And build the church. In the New King James it says. To teach the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now there's a disconnect in a lot of people's heads. Because we read that. But we don't really read that. Let me tell you why. Because you think that you're coming to church. To watch me do the work of the ministry. No I do this every day y'all. But the pastor's called to teach you so you can do the work of the ministry. See, that's where we missed it. We keep thinking and putting the responsibility on somebody else when the responsibility's with us. And that's why churches are struggling. That's why churches aren't going forward because they're saying, well, pastor, I'm going to watch you do the work of the ministry. That's awesome. Go for it. I got a real life. I got a real job. I got a real family. You do the work of the ministry because I pay you to do the work of the ministry, but I don't have any responsibility to play. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, I can equip you guys to do the work of the ministry. All in. See, that's the mentality. Once again, you're thinking, well, you do it. It only works if all of us are doing the work of the ministry together. That's the only way it works. And let me be honest, that's what's held back our church. You're looking at other people and myself to do the work of the ministry that you're called to do. You got to be all in. That's what the Bible says. That's a scripture I just read. To equip you to do, notice, the work of the ministry. Meaning it's going to be some effort. It's going to be some time. It's going to be some money. You're going to be, have to use your gifts. You might have to get out of bed a little bit early. You might have to do something because the church is worth it. The kingdom of God is worth it. The mission of God is worth it. The plan of God is worth it. And notice, since it's worth it, it takes work. If we want to win. Now, if we don't want to win, if we just want to be mediocre and just like everybody else and just another dying church in the community, then we don't put any effort into it. Too honest on a Sunday morning. All right. But if we want it to be great, which it should be if it's for God, and if we want it to be excellent, if we want to reach people, if we want to be a church that reaches, notice, this church has been prophesied that it would reach 
the region. Listen, we're not even reaching Grant Line Road, for goodness sakes. So that means there's going to have to be some work to get from point A to point B. And a lot of it. And not just me. <laughs> and not just staff members. And not just, well, Brother Les will do it. Well, you know, Chad will fix it. Um, and, and that's how you guys think. And notice that's a wrong way to think. That goes back to that mentality that it's not my responsibility. Instead, I'm all in. Are you guys hearing my heart this morning? Hopefully, you're not being condemned. You're just being challenged today. Now, I don't know about you. I would rather be in a church that's going somewhere than a church that never brings stuff like this up. That's just TBH on Sunday morning. Um, But that's just the way I think about it. So... Let's look at Romans 12, starting verse 9. We're doing good. It's 1130, so we're making good time. Hopefully you're getting something today. I'm just speaking freely this Sunday morning. I'm talking to you, every one of you, like you actually want to be here and want to be a part, if that's okay. You didn't say yes, but I'm going to go ahead and talk to you like that. Romans, we're going to start here in verse 12. And um, we're going to read in verse 9. New Living, again, Romans 12 and verse 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, he's talking about a church. He's not just talking randomly at random people, which you need to be loving to random people. But he's talking about in the community of the church. And notice verse 11. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Other translations say with passion or with zeal. It says never be lazy, but notice once again it says but work hard. He's not talking to just church leaders there. He's talking to a church. And he's telling this whole church. Somebody who's really in love with God and really in love with their church and what they're called to do. It says, never be lazy, but work hard at doing the work of the ministry. That's what we're talking about. Building the church and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, I just like saying enthusiastically because I feel enthusiasm when I say enthusiastically. It's just a good word, isn't it? And I realize not all of you are made up like I am. And that's okay. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but no matter what we're talking about here, all of us in here are passionate about something. All of us in here are enthusiastic about something. It's just a lot of times not the church and working and serving the Lord. Which happens to be the most important thing you could be enthusiastic about. I'm just going to preach it like I feel it this morning. And we're so passionate about so many other things. And then we come to church and you're just like, well, this is my personality. Liar. <laughs> Liar. As soon as you get in your car and put on hip hop, you're dancing and moving, but you can't even lift a hand and worship. Why? Why? 
Can I be honest on a Sunday morning? You complain about showing five minutes early to your ministry of health position, but you get to the game four hours early to stand in line, to get drunk people to throw up on you, to eat barbecue and tailgate. And you're passionate every last second of those four hours. But five minutes early to church, God, whoo, man, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Only day of the week I've been exhausted, Sunday morning, completely spent. Isn't that how it works? Completely exhausted. You get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work every week, but you're late to a 10 o'clock service on Sunday morning? Exhausted. Am I telling the truth this morning? I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. But notice that's that mentality. You haven't become all in because you don't think like that when you're all in. Doing the work of the ministry and serving the Lord enthusiastically. I tell you what, churches that live like this are attractive to the world. Churches that aren't are not attractive to the world. We got to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, do I look like this scripture? Does our church look like this scripture? And a lot of times it doesn't. So guess what? They're, lost people aren't just going to appear out of the ceiling. Oh my gosh, there's one coming down from the vent. <laughs> well, we've been praying for people, but we didn't actually invite anybody, but one just flew down. That's cool. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. You're still here today. But it says it's got to be some work, some effort. And as you know, to build anything of significance, it's going to take work and effort. We don't just get there on accident. We get there on purpose. And it goes beyond, prayer is important, but it goes beyond prayer support. Because that's been another thing in the church world that people will use as an excuse to do nothing. Well, I'll pray about it. I'm in my prayer closet. Well, get your butt out of your prayer closet and go do something that the ministry helps. I wasn't talking about you, Miss Donna, but <laughs> since she said, well, as it wasn't referring to you. But we do that. Let's be honest. We do that a lot. Well, I'm praying for my church because that gives you an excuse to not actually do something. Or put some action to it. It's not either or. It's both and. It's prayer. But it's get to work. It's intercede. But it's plan some things out. Let's have the power of God. But let's be excellent. So somebody actually wants to be here. It's not either or. It's both and. And that's the way God wants it to be. But notice that's again. That's that old church culture mentality that gets into all of us. So hopefully today by saying some of these things that you're seeing that that way of thinking is wrong. And it's not somebody who's an all-in mentality would think like that. So thinking about this, I've got a couple uh, things I want to share before we close here. It's the number one thing if you want to be all-in is this. This is what I wrote down. 
if we want to be all in, we have to take ownership and make it personal. Take ownership and make it personal. And I'll tell you what that means. Take ownership and make it personal. It goes back to thinking that I just look at leaders in the church and certain people in the church and they do the work of the ministry and I just watch them do it. No, when you have an attitude of all in, you take ownership and you make it personal. Now, let me explain what that fully means to you is because we know even in the business world, there's a difference between an employee and an owner. They think differently. They work differently. And we all have to have that mentality of an owner when it comes to our our church. And we have to take ownership and make it personal. I'm talking to every person in here. Listen to what I have to say here. That means I go beyond being an employee or working for somebody and realizing I need to take ownership in this is not just pastor's church. This is not Dr. Jacob's church. This is my church. And see, that's the difference. If you keep thinking, well, this is my church. No, it's not. This is your church just as much as it's my church. So that means it will succeed as much as you want it to succeed, not just what I want it to do. And you know in your own business, it's going to rise and fall based off of you because you're the owner. And when people in the church think like that, they realize that the success of this church rises and falls on me. Not pastor. Not pastor. You. This is your church. You need to take ownership and make it personal. This is my church. And if it's going to get done, I'm going to do it. And if people need help in the back, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to wait on somebody else to do it. I'm going to do it. If it's yours. How many know you treat things differently that you own than you're just renting or you're just working for somebody else as an employee? It's different when you take ownership. Are you hearing me this morning? And I want to give you 100% permission right now because I know some of you are just like, oh, my gosh, what is he saying? I give you 100% ownership of this church. And this is not my church. This is not mom's church. This is not dad's church. This is not the Jacob's church. This is your church. And until you see it that way, this church will not go to where it needs to go. It's my church. And it rises and falls on me. On you. That's the way you think. I'll give you an example. You know, if you're, you're, uh, you're working for somebody, somebody could... Uh, drop some trash on the floor in the hallway, and the employee will walk by say, well, that's not my job because he's an employee. It's not his. The owner will walk by and pick it up because it is his because he owns it. Now, there's a difference in the way of thinking. And we all need to have that mentality in here that, no, it is my job, and it is my responsibility. And if it's going to get done, I'm going to play a part in meeting that need. Because I take ownership and make it personal is my church. And if it succeeds, it's on me. 
And if it fails, it's on me. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You need to take ownership of it and make it personal. Now, let me give you some real practical advice about this because when I'm talking about take ownership and make it personal, now, I'm only saying this if God has called you to be here. If God hasn't called you to be here, get to where you need to be. But if this is your church and this is your home church, then it needs to be your church and make it personal. Take ownership. But real practically, that means not throwing other things off on everybody else to do it. Notice you're making it personal and you're taking your own responsibility for it. Now, I'm going to say some things that might step on some toes, but i got to say it. Now, our church does great, especially when it comes to giving. We, we excel at that. We excel at giving. We need to continue to give so we can do more. But the thing a lot of times our church, at least recently, has struggled with is getting people to actually serve and do work in the ministry of helps. Once again, all in. There's plenty of people that could do something but aren't doing anything. That's a mooch taker mentality. Instead of saying, I want to win championships, so I'm going to play the part I'm called to play, and I'm all in. And when it's your church and you make it personal, you say, well, I can do it. Because it rises and falls on you. Now, real, real practically, thinking about this, you know, when we have signups in the back for a special event and we need help, that means you. You, 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 you. That's an all-in mentality. Now, a lot of you don't think like that, and that's why our church struggles. Well, Brother Joe and Chad will sign up. That's not an all-in mentality. That's not it's my church mentality. That's not taking ownership for what is yours. Where, when you're an owner, guess what? You're signed up for everything because it's personal to you because you want it to succeed. I'm just giving you a real practical advice because that happens all the time. Sign-ups, we need help about so-and-so. Same couple people that sign up for everything. There's still 200 other people that are twiddling their thumbs. That's not the right heart. That's not the right mentality. That's not a church that's going to grow and thrive when people think like that. But notice you won't think like that if you take ownership and make it personal. So when we sign up in the back about an event we're having and we need help, that means you and 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 you. Because if it's yours, you'll take ownership and make it personal. Isn't that right? I know I'm saying some straight stuff, but we got to talk about it. That's true. And then what happens is the same couple people get overworked because the other 70 to 80% don't do what they should do. That's not a right mentality. All in. That means everybody giving 100% and everybody participating. 
that's when it will go somewhere. You hearing me this morning? When we say, now this will hit real too close, but when we say we have landscaping day and we need help, you know who that means? You, 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 you. Yep, crickets. Thought it would be. Now, you know what I'm saying. If you're elderly and you're disabled and you can't do something, I'm not talking to you. But I'm saying if you got some life in your body and you could lift a stick, why not sign up for it? What else you got to do? If it's yours, you'll be there. I'm just dealing with that mentality. I'm not trying to call out anybody specifically. I don't even, I'm not even thinking about somebody's name. But you're all in. Everybody doing their part, and not just doing their part, but doing it with all their might, their passion, their enthusiasm. Now, hopefully you're receiving this today because I'm trying to change the way you think about church and the church world because a lot of you still think about small church mentality and to go where we need to go, you got to stop thinking that way and saying, well, the Cook family will do it. Their whole family's in the ministry of helps. They got it covered. Chad will do it. Brother Les, he's got it. Miss Donna, Brother Dale, they've been with pastor a long time. They'll do it. You're not taking responsibility for it what you own. And once again, that's not the heart of God. That's a taker, not a giver. All right. Well, see what it says here. You are dismissed. No, I'm not done. <clears throat> you guys hear my heart here? Everybody needs to think that way. Notice if it's, if it's got to succeed, that's what it takes. Take ownership and make it personal. Number two, we need to go from being a consumer to a contributor. Go from being a consumer to a contributor. I realize we, we live in the Western world. We live in the United States which we're taught to consume from the time we are born to the time we die. And really with the generations, it gets worse and worse and worse because this mentality of consumer has made people so self-focused. So into what do I get out of it or what's in it for me, they never actually give of their life to anything which happens to be the complete opposite from the heart of God. The complete opposite from the way of God. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he said, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. He was saying, I didn't come to just consume, consume, receive, receive, what do I get out of church? What do I receive out of church? The message didn't bless me this week. The, the praise and worship was okay. Consume, consume, consume. But what are you ever giving back to anybody? Because the blessing is not in the consuming. The blessing is the contributing. 
The blessing's not in the receiving, the blessing's in the giving. And we're wondering why our Christian life is stagnant and dry and dead is because we consume, we consume, we consume, but we never give back out. We receive, we receive, we receive, but we never give back out. That's not the way of God. But notice what happens because we're taught to consume everything in our life and we're taught to think what's in it for me. We carry this attitude and mindset over to the church and think, what am I getting out of this? What are you giving into it? Well, I wish our church would do this and that. Well, what are you doing about it? Going from a consumer mentality to a contributor. I don't want to just consume, consume, consume what other people can do for me or the church can do for me. I need to turn it around and start being a contributor. That's the real Christian life. You've stopped halfway short if you're just receiving and consuming, but you're not contributing and giving out. We have to go from being a spectator to a participator in what God's doing. It goes back to what I said earlier. Stop watching other people do the work of the ministry and fulfill the plan of God and get in the game. Isn't it amazing that the people that are most vocal about how you should play the game are in the stands? Why? They're good at spectating, but get off the bench and participate and be a part of what God is doing because we'll only win when we're all in. You guys hear my heart this morning. We have a part to play. We have a role to play. We're on this team. We're a part of God's story. But all of us in here, every person in here needs to make this personal Take ownership, contribute to the success of the church. Now, I know some of you are saying this in your head right now, and I don't blame you for it. A lot of you are saying, well, give me something to be excited about then. I see you. I understand what you're saying. I know a lot of us have lost passion for doing some of these things because your, your attitude, which I don't blame you for it, but it's the wrong attitude, is it's just the same people every week, so who cares? Oh. Was I supposed to be honest on Sunday morning? <clears throat> I can't blame you for that. I mean, it's the same people every week, so why are we making this big effort? It's just them, them, we know each other. What's the big deal? What's the urgency for? Why do I need to get so committed and so involved if it's just us at this church? Why do I need to do extra stuff like landscaping or go help in the kitchen or do extra stuff and be in the kids' ministry and do all this stuff? It's just the same people. That's legitimate. The answer to that is this. It's not about you. Furthermore, 
that's where we are. That's not where we're going. So, to get from here to there, that attitude and mindset has to stop here to go there. Yes, true, it is the same people every week. Yes, it is true that sometimes there's not a lot of visitors. I don't like it just as much as you don't like it. But we're going somewhere, and notice that won't change unless all of us change first. Because all you want to say, well, if the church starts growing and people start coming, then I'll get involved. Won't happen. <laughs> we got to start here first to get to here. And so, yes, you're right. That's right. You could be not excited about things, and I don't blame you. But you have to see the bigger vision on where we're going. And you have to realize, well, it's not just about me and my family. It's about all the people that are going to be reached in the future. And it's about all the people that are going to be saved in the future. And it's about all the people that are going to be healed in the future. And it's about all the people that are going to be delivered in the future. And it's going to be about all the families that come in the future. It's going to be about all the people reached in the future. It's going to be about a church that reaches a city and a region and this portion of the state and affects this entire area. That's what it's about. I realize we're not there. That's why you're not excited yet. But until we change the way we think here, we won't get there. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? I'm trying to explain it the best I can. Spit fire and a uh, hoarse voice and everything. But notice, when we take ownership and we're all in, we start with that mentality right here, right now, when we don't see anything yet. Last time I checked, this church is a faith church. For 30 years, we all know faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is acting on it before you see it. Faith is doing something before you feel it. See, I got, you know, I got to get my foot going here. We're a faith church. We know that. We apply it to our health. We apply it to our prosperity. Why don't you apply it to your church? Faith is doing it before you feel it. It's doing it before you see it. It's saying, well, I see where we're going, but it won't happen unless we start right here. That's faith. So we got to be all in. Let's look at one last verse and we'll close. I appreciate you guys listening today. I know I've been really honest and really open. Hopefully nobody's offended too much. But we got to talk like this. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. We're going to start in chapter 1. The thing is, some of us could say, well, you know, I don't like our church that much. No, I didn't say that. Ms. Donnie, you didn't say that either, did you? Okay, just check it. 
you know, I don't like where it's at. Okay. Then get to work and let's help change it. Let's stop talking about it. Let's do something. Like I said, the people that are most vocal are sitting in the stands. Get down here and get in the game. We got work to do. We got championships to win. 2 Timothy 1 in verse 6. It says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift of God, which is in you by the laying on of hands. For God hasn't given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. But notice, the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, he says, fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has put in you. Other translations say, stir up the gift of God that's in you. The truth is today, every one of you have gifts and talents and graces that will help take the church into the future. You have gifts and graces and talents that God has given you to reach people, to be a part of his plan, to be in the will of God. They're already in you, but what happens is, after a while, they go dim. We don't stir them up. Just like a fire, if you don't stay with the fire, the fire's going to dwindle down and go out. Now, the fire's still there in the embers, but nobody's fanning the flame. Nobody's stirring it up. And that's what happens to myself included. It can happen to a lot of us in here, because a lot of you have been in this church a long time. And what happens after a while is you don't see the results you want to see. You don't see the change you want to see. Is that fire starts to dwindle. And what Paul's telling to Timothy is, the fire's still in you. You just let it go out. Fan the flame that's in you. Fan the passion that's in you. Fan the enthusiasm that's in you. Stir up the gift of God that's in you. Because it's in there. It might be hiding right now. Maybe you don't see it right now, but it's still in there because God put it there. I'm preaching with everything I have left today. And he says, you fan the flame of what's in you. Faith. What does he say? You fan the flame. Not just your preacher, not just the worship team, not just goosebumps. You, why? Because you need to take ownership and make it personal. And that's where a lot of us miss it as believers. We're waiting on somebody else to pump us up. We're waiting on somebody else to get us excited. We're waiting on somebody else to fan our flame. And God says, you do it. You stir it up. Don't blame it on other people. Don't blame it on your church. Don't blame it on your pastor. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm better than this. I'm greater than this. I got so much in me, but I've let it die down. But it's in you. And he says, you need to stir it up. You need to fan into flames the gift of God that's in you. What about the passion you had when you first got saved? What about the passion you had when you first came to church? What about the passion when you first started worshiping? What about the passion you had when you first got healed? What about the passion you had when you first got delivered? 
That's the passion he's talking about stirring up. Because trust me, all of us, and I realize I'm a young man, but I'm an old church member. You realize that? I'm 29 years old, but I have an old church soul. There is a 65-year-old black man on the inside of me. You guys didn't know that? I got an old church soul. That's just me. So realize it's easy for any of us to say, it's the same old, same old. It's just church. Church has always been this way. Same people every week. That's exciting. I'm being honest. Those are thoughts that could come to your mind. But we got to be all in. Fan the flame. Stir up the gift of God that's in you. Thank you, Miss Marion. You helped me. The 65-year-old black man on the inside of me thanks you. So we need to do our part. We need to be all in. And that's the last encouragement I have for you as we close is it's already in you. A lot of you, a lot of you people know church. You know the Bible. You know the word. You know worship. You've been in the things of God for a long time. But it happens to all of us. We all can get cold. We can all get dry. We can all let the fire go down. Stir up the gift of God. Fan into flames. And notice, for the church to go to where it needs to go, we have to be all in. We have to do what God has called us to do. Notice, take ownership, make it personal, and be a contributor, not a consumer. Did you guys get anything this morning? I left it all on the floor this morning. (laughs) Voice included.